This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Nikki Whitehead? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the crime, then offer my analysis. Nikki Whitehead was born on April 18, 1975. As a child, Nikki's behavior was somewhat maladaptive. At the age of 12, she went to live with her grandmother, Della Frazier. Nikki's behavior did not improve under Della's care. She became pregnant at the age of 17. She had identical twins on November 27, 1993, named Jasmiah and Tasmiah, who often went by Jazz and Taz. Nikki eventually found work as a hairdresser. In 2000, when Nikki was 25 years old, she met a truck driver named Robert Head. He was 30 years older than her. The couple became romantically involved. Robert, Nikki, and the girls moved to Conyers, Georgia. They lived in a house in a gated community. Nikki enrolled at a college and studied fashion design. The girls went to school and performed well academically. In addition, they were active in music and dance. They appeared to be adjusting well to their environment. They were described as polite and timid. When the girls became teenagers, their behavior became maladaptive, reminiscent of their mother's behavior when she was younger. The girls were no longer easy to get along with. In 2007, Nikki called 911 and told the dispatcher that Jazz was missing. As it turns out, Jazz was sneaking around with a boy. Nikki was taken by surprise at this behavior. In 2008, the girls physically attacked Nikki and were arrested as a result. In court, the judge blamed Nikki for her daughter's behavior. Nikki told the court that she did not want her daughters to come home with her. The court sent the twins to live with Nikki's grandmother. Della Frazier, the same woman who raised Nikki for a while years earlier. Della Frazier was much more permissive than Nikki. Under the care of Della, the twins continued to misbehave. For example, they found themselves in trouble for shoplifting and using marijuana. Nikki decided that she wanted her daughters to return to her care, believing that she could correct their behavior. On January 5, 2010, the court ordered the return of Nikki's daughters. They once again moved into the house that Nikki and Robert shared. Nikki had a welcome home party for Jazz and Taz, but her daughters were in no mood. They were furious about the decision. The court recognized the difficulty with this transition and had the girls live with their mother for a two-week trial period. So after two weeks, the court was going to reassess the situation. The judge probably figured, what's the worst that could happen in two weeks? As it turns out, the twins may have misunderstood what a trial period was. Perhaps they believed they only had two weeks to do something in order to get a trial. The police responded to the residents for domestic disturbances on both January 8 and January 10, but the worst was yet to come. This takes us to the timeline of the crime. On January 13, 2010, just eight days after Nikki regained custody, her twin girls murdered her 
by stabbing her 45 times with a knife. Several hours after the murder, a sheriff's deputy just happened to be driving past the house. One of the girls ran up to his car and started pounding on it. The twins said that they just came home from school and discovered that their mother was dead. Here's what the police found during their investigation. Nikki was dead in the bathtub. Clearly, there had been a violent struggle during which Nikki was killed. There was blood everywhere. Her body had been dragged to the bathtub after her death. Nothing was stolen from the house. There was no forced entry. A murder weapon was never found. Nikki's blood was found outside of the house as well. A neighbor reported hearing someone ring the doorbell and yelling, but he ignored it. It seems like this neighbor had a fairly high threshold for answering the door. Maybe he just had a policy for only answering the door for people who were not being murdered. Nikki's daughter said that their mother was in her bedroom when they left the house at 7.30 a.m. They missed the bus, therefore they walked to school. When they returned home from school, they discovered their mother had been killed. The police looked into Robert's whereabouts. He was driving a truck and over a day's drive away when Nikki was murdered. Robert was excluded as a suspect. The police discovered that in addition to Robert, Nikki was seeing a local barber named Joe Carter. They spoke to Robert about this. He was aware that Nikki had other relationships. He had an arrangement with his wife. When he was in town, he expected them to function as a couple. When he was driving a truck, Nikki was free to maintain other romantic relationships. The police started to look at Joe Carter, wondering if perhaps he was involved. Jazz and Taz said that on the night before the murder, Nikki argued with Joe Carter on the phone. Apparently, Nikki was breaking up with Joe. The police confronted Joe at the barbershop where he worked, which was right next to the salon where Nikki had worked. They noticed that he didn't have any marks on him at all, consistent with being in a physical struggle. After a little bit more checking, the police excluded Joe Carter as a suspect. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Ohio is a land of mystery, from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies, from myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com The police turned their attention to Jazz and Taz. The girls had told the police that even though they were running late to school on the day their mother was murdered, they made it to school on time. The police discovered video surveillance from the school, which captured the girls arriving about two and a half hours late. 
When the girls were initially interviewed, they were wearing black gloves, which they did not remove even when inside. The police asked them to remove the gloves and found a number of injuries. The girls had bruises, cuts, and bite marks on their hands and arms. They said they had been cut and bruised when fighting with each other. To explain the bite marks, Taz said that she would bite herself to relieve stress. The girls were moved into separate rooms and interviewed. They would not turn on each other. Rather, they stayed with the story they had fabricated. Eventually, lab results indicated that blood from one of the twins was mixed with Nikki's blood at the crime scene. Because the twins were identical, the police did not know which one the blood belonged to. On May 21, 2010, Jazz and Taz were arrested for murder. It appears as though the twins did not realize they were being recorded when they were placed in a police vehicle right after their arrest. One of them said, they can't do nothing with blank evidence like this. The twins were confident that they would never be convicted. The girls pleaded not guilty. Eventually, they admitted that they caused the death of their mother, but they said they were not responsible. Here's the story they provided to investigators. On the day their mother was killed, she started using expletives. She was angry with them because they were late for school. Nikki threw a pot at Jazz. She then retrieved a kitchen knife and continued to attack the girls. A violent struggle ensued. Nikki and the twins grew tired of the life-and-death combat, so they called a truce. Nikki went to a neighbor's house briefly, but then returned and violated the truce by attacking the girls again. The girls stabbed Nikki in self-defense. Nikki told them that she was cold, so they put her in the bathtub to warm her up. Investigators did not believe their story. Even still, uncertainty remained about getting a conviction. Therefore, the prosecutor offered the girls a plea deal. In January of 2014, Taz pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. The next month, Jazz pleaded guilty and received the same sentence. They were sent to separate prisons. Now moving to my analysis. There isn't much question about the guilt of Jazz and Taz. In addition to the physical evidence, like the blood at the scene and the injuries they sustained, the girls accepted responsibility as part of their plea deal. Here is the account of the murder they provided to the court. The girls developed a plan to kill their mother. They made notes in a journal claiming that Nikki didn't care about them, she was selfish, and they had to get rid of her. On January 13, the girls had been up until 2 or 3 in the morning, and they were tired when Nikki woke them up for school. They decided to execute the murder plan. After killing Nikki, they attempted to clean the crime scene and made their way to school in an effort to create an alibi. A mother being murdered by a teenage daughter is a rare occurrence. For a mother to be murdered by two daughters is just about unheard of. How did this crime happen? I think there were a number of factors that came together to create a perfect storm. I will go through each one of them here. Item number one. The twins appeared to possess both psychopathic and narcissistic characteristics. Perhaps the etiology of their traits was genetic. The twins were identical, so if one of them had those maladaptive traits, the other one would as well. Looking at some of their specific traits, their lack of empathy was profound. It's clear they had no affection toward their mother and killed her without a second thought. The girls were highly manipulative. During their initial interview with the police, they pretended to be traumatized. 
Jazz cried out several times, saying, I want my mommy. The police noticed that the girls were not actually shedding any tears. When they were separated, Taz noticed the camera in the interrogation room and started praying. She said, please, God, I really want them to catch this person. It wasn't all bad news for Taz. Her prayer was answered, eventually. After their mother was killed, the girls went on with their lives as if nothing had happened. They even attended a high school prom. There was no guilt or remorse. Item number two, the girls were not only identical, they were exposed to the same environmental conditions. In addition, they communicated frequently. Therefore, it makes sense that they developed the same attitudes. A few examples, they both hated their mother. They failed to bond with their mother. They felt as though she was hypocritical because she used marijuana and consumed alcohol. And they fought together as a team to kill her. Item number three, the girls insisted on getting their way. Both twins wanted complete freedom. They did not want to follow any rules. They would act out verbally and physically when they were denied something they wanted. The key reason they committed the murder was that they viewed their mother as an obstacle to their desires. Item number four, Nikki may not have been the best role model. She appeared to have a hedonistic attitude similar to the one that the girls developed. In essence, the girls were growing up to be like their mother, except homicidal. In addition, they outnumbered her two to one, their goals were aligned, and Nikki probably didn't think they would murder her. This made them powerful adversaries. Item number five, the girls spent a lot of time with their great-grandmother, who was very permissive. I think it was difficult for the girls to give up the freedom they gained when they were living with Della Frazier. Moving in with their mother meant having limitations placed on them. They absolutely refused to go backward as far as their privilege. Now moving to my final thoughts. Parents often feel as though their children would never murder them. This is usually true, but it's not simply because of the parent's biological connection. Rather, the protective factor is the relationship that forms as the children are growing up. Nikki was not afforded this protection from her daughters because they did not view her as their mother. On the other hand, Nikki viewed Jazz and Taz as her daughters. Her love was a double-edged sword because she did not see how her daughters were leading a double life and pulling double duty to resist her authority. Nikki never thought they would double-cross her, which resulted in her being placed in a non-legal version of double jeopardy. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.